I'm Mark True with True Farms in Plainview, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. It is time once again for another edition of Texas Ag Today. So jump on in with me. Buckle up. Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, we've seen some nice improvements over the last few years in livestock disaster programs. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. With a little extra knowledge, ranchers could find better opportunities when it's time to market their older cows. I'm James Hunt, and on Texas Ag Today, we'll talk about a special learning opportunity coming up soon in Canyon. Texas farmers are in North Carolina this week, gaining valuable information about cotton production on the East Coast. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have more on the tour on Texas Ag Today. The fall armyworm is a common pest of Bermuda grass and many other crops in North and Central Texas. Given their immense appetite, great numbers, and marching ability, fall armyworms can damage entire fields or pastures in a few days. I'm Dr. Vanessa Olson from Overton. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. USDA's Farm Service Agency is responsible for administrating the Livestock Disaster Programs in the 2018 Farm Bill. FSA Administrator Zach Ducheneau says his agency has been working hard to get that assistance out to livestock producers during recent disasters. The resources that we offered producers through the ELAP program to haul feed and cows where feed or cows are needed. We were able to find that statutory authority within the existing farm bill and disaster programs. The change we made to LIP recently in recognition of the investment that you all make in a baby calf hitting the ground, instead of paying you $150, we've more than doubled that payment because we had the latitude laid out and the flexibility offered to us in farm bill and in disaster statutes. Ducheneau says he is also proud of the fact that FSA now has the ability to pay some of the freight on hauling forage to producers' cow herds. Well, yeah, we can actually help pay some of the freight on getting the forage that isn't in this place to where your cows are. We started here from the countryside. It makes more sense for me to be able to move my cow to where the food is. And we said, you know what? We were wrong. We didn't get that one right, and we changed it. We didn't just dig in and say, well, by God, that's the way it is. You fit. We had the latitude to change it, and we adjusted to fit the situation. Ducheneau also says his FSA team is working on ways to streamline applications for the Livestock Risk Protection Program. With the huge increase in fertilizer prices, nutrient management is now more important than ever. 
Texas A&M cotton specialist Ben McKnight says it all starts with a simple soil test. And so soil testing, in my opinion, is essential to knowing what the quantity is in the soil. And we can also utilize soil testing uh, to go into the year with a plan. And so oftentimes growers have yield goals. And in an effort to meet those yield goals, soil testing, and again, in my opinion, is essential because you need to know what's there and whether or not you have the resources that are going to be needed by the, the crop to produce that anticipated yield goal. Nitrogen seems to get all the attention, but McKnight says don't forget about phosphorus and potassium levels. Potassium is needed almost merely in the same quantity that nitrogen is needed to produce a profitable yield. And so uh, that's one thing that I think growers need to be aware of is staying on top of these plant nutrients like phosphorus and potassium. And so soil testing will also give us an indication of you know what those plant nutrients are looking like and the way they behave over time. McKnight recommends soil testing your farm once every year to keep a handle on what nutrients you have available in your soil. Ranchers could find better opportunities when it comes time to market older coal cows. James Hunt tells us there's a workshop coming up that addresses just that. When we think of older cows that are removed from the herd and sold off to a packing plant, we may be too limited in thinking about what the resulting product can be. Lots of our producers and consumers initially assume that the cow is simply ground beef. And that's partially true, but the cow is also manufacturing trim. And so when we think of that, I want people to think about beef jerky and snack sticks and deli meats. So your Arby's roast beef and your retail roast beef. Cow meat goes many, many other places and not just your local hamburger chain. That's Dr. Ty Lawrence, the chair of West Texas A&M University's Meat Science Program. Coming up on September 21st and 22nd, WT is hosting a special USDA event aimed at helping area producers acquire a better understanding of the cold cow market. We want producers to really think about that animal not as a byproduct and something I need to get rid of, but as a true product. And how do we maximize value and minimize any detriments that take away from the beef industry value of that animal and have an appreciation for where that carcass and its breakdown products are going into the food stream. For instance, you know, we talk about export markets a lot, in particular with the fed beef population, but we don't really talk about it at all in response to the cold cow, when in fact uh, a large proportion of the cold cow also is an exportable item, no different than fed steers and heifers. Coming up tomorrow, we'll hear more from Dr. Lawrence about what's on the agenda for USDA's Cow Herd Management, Slaughter Cow Evaluation, and Marketing course. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Texas cotton farmers are touring farms in North Carolina this week. Tom Nicoletti says it's all part of the Producer Information Exchange Program hosted by the National Cotton Council. My guest today from Lubbock is Susan Everett. She is a member service representative with the National Cotton Council of America. 
Susan, uh, last week, a number of cotton farmers from the Mid-South and Southeast uh, U.S. were in Texas looking at the cotton industry. This week, Texas and California farmers are in North Carolina doing the same. Why is this producer information exchange program important? The PITER, that's what we call it for short, Producer Information Exchange Program. This is a program that we've done since 1989. It's sponsored by BASF. After this tour, we will have had over 1,200 growers participate in this program. We take growers from the southwest and the west, and they go and they tour out in the southeast like they are this week. They're learning all about the issues that affect those growers out there. They learn different farming techniques. Out in the southeast, they get a lot of rain, so they have to spray a lot for plant bugs. And it's just good to have an exchange of information. So whenever we do go to Washington, D.C. Everybody knows what we're talking about. Whenever we're trying to come up with some legislation, let's say, for example, the importance of crop insurance, the guys out in the West Texas area, it's extremely important. Whereas out in the Southeast, it may not be as important as it is out here. But in order for the entire cotton industry to be successful, we all have to have programs that work for us. That again is Susan Everett. She is uh, with uh, the National Cotton Council based in Lubbock. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. It's time to keep a close watch out for fall armyworms. Forage specialist Vanessa Olson has more. Fall armyworm outbreaks in pastures and hayfields often occur following rainfall. Hayfields with a dense canopy and vigorous growth are often more susceptible to armyworm infestations than less fertilized fields. Irrigated fields are also susceptible to infestations, especially during drought conditions. Look for fall armyworms feeding in the crop canopy during the late evening and early morning and during cool, cloudy weather. During hot days, look for armyworms low in the canopy and on the soil surface, where they hide under loose soil and fallen leaves. When fields are wet with dew, armyworms can stick on rubber boots while walking through the field. The key to managing fall armyworms is frequent inspection of fields to detect infestations. Once larvae are more than three quarters of an inch long, the quantity of foliage they eat increases dramatically. During their final two to three days of feeding, armyworms consume 80% of their total diet. The density of armyworms sufficient to justify insecticide treatment depends on the stage of crop growth and the value of the crop. Seedling plants can tolerate fewer armyworms than established plants. Infestations of more than two to three armyworms per square foot may justify an insecticide application. If practical, apply insecticides early in the morning or late in the evening when armyworm larvae are most active If the field is near harvest, an early harvest rather than an insecticide treatment is an option. Once the field is cut, most of the armyworms will die due to lack of food and exposure to high temperatures. In some cases, armyworms can move into an adjacent field and continue to feed. If using insecticides to control armyworms, remember to always read and follow label instructions. This is Dr. Vanessa Olson with Texas A&M AgriLife Extension in Overton, for Texas Ag Today. Dove hunting season in the north and central zones opens up this week. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. 
And early weaning is a strategy many cattle producers use this year to deal with drought. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas A&M Forest Service is helping to protect lives, property, and livelihoods from wildfire. Dangerous wildfire weather conditions in the state can look like just any other day. Hot, dry, and windy. But a specific mix of weather factors can be conducive to a devastating wildfire outbreak. Learn what to look for. Listen to officials. Evacuate early. Your actions could help save your life, property, and livelihood. For more information on wildfire weather warnings, visit ticc.tamu.edu. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Early weaning is a strategy many cattle producers used this year to deal with drought. Dr. Bob Judd has some advice on the early weaning practice. Usually beef calves are weaned at around six months of age, so early weaning would be five months or less. Some folks early wean calves at 45 days of age, but ideally they should be on the cow until three months if possible. By early weaning these calves, you can save your hay for the cows, and they will need less hay without a calf by their side, and can be maintained on a lower quality hay. The weaned calves will require a higher quality feed, but they do not eat as much feed as the cows. Since calves are on milk when with the cow, at weaning we have to replace that nutrition with a feed equally as good as milk to continue growth of the calf. And although calves can start eating solid food at 30 days of age, their rumen is very small and they cannot digest a lot of solid food at this point even if they ingest it. A cow has a large rumen and can digest a much lower quality of feed for her needs. It is reported in Bovine Veterinarian that distiller's grains, a byproduct of the ethanol industry, is a good protein supplement for young growing calves. As an example, a 300-pound calf would need 3 pounds of dried distiller's grains and 7 pounds of a 50-50 blend of oat, alfalfa, or good quality coastal hay per day. Zinc and copper are important, so providing a vitamin mineral package designed for growing calves should also be used. Silage is not a good option for calves unless they are slowly transitioned to wetter feeds while still nursing the cow. Winning these calves with fence line weaning is less stressful and will decrease the number of sick calves. Also, avoid crowding these calves as the more area available, the less likely for disease to develop. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Dove season in the north and central zones opens this weekend. Jessica Domel tells more about it in today's Wildlife Report. Dove hunting season in the north and central zones officially opens Thursday. And while much of the state has received some much-needed rainfall, we have been under drought for several months now, and that has impacted Texas wildlife. Owen Fitzsimmons, Webless Migratory Game Bird Program leader for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, said this season, hunting dove near water will be key, as birds will likely concentrate there. 
Doves typically will feed early in the morning and in the evening, and then they'll need water twice a day as well. So what a lot of hunters have figured out over the years, especially in Texas, where we do have these really dry years, is you can find that water hole where they're going to come take that drink after they feed in the evening. And uh, you can sit under a bush or under a tree and catch them coming into that water hole and, and have a really, really good hunt versus trying to hunt uh, an ag field or, or something like that. I think just trying to key in on that water or even key in on where those birds are traveling to and from, where they feed and where they water is also a good tactic. He also encourages scouting. Scouting is always a good idea. Just because you have a field that may have been good last year, it might not be good this year. You know, they can fly a long way to find food and water. So definitely try to scout as much as you can. There are no hunting regulation changes this year for dove hunters. Dove hunting season in the north and central zones opens September 1st. The special white-winged dove days in the south zone are September 2nd through the 4th and September 9th through the 11th. The south zone opens up September 14th. Daily bag limits for the north, central, and south zone are 15 birds per day with no more than two white tipped. For the special white-winged dove days, the bag limit is still 15, but the bag can include no more than two morning doves and two white-tipped doves. Possession limit for all of the zones is three times the daily bag. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The cattle market headed higher on Tuesday, while cotton and grains headed lower. We'll check out all of Tuesday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas youth can expect the best in life by holding themselves to the highest standards. And the Texas Farm Bureau can help students put together the pieces that make up a successful leader. Through our Student Success Series, students in 8th through 12th grade can learn more about leadership, networking, and personal professionalism. Registration for Student Success Series is open now. Find out more information at texasfarmbureau.org. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle market bounced back on Tuesday, recovering much of Monday's losses. We closed higher in both live and feeder cattle futures Tuesday. The August live cattle contract up 95 cents at 142.50. October up 92 cents, 143.82. With December live cattle up 87, 149.80. Nice jump in the feeder market. September feeder cattle up 225, 182.17. October feeders up 220 at 183.27. November feeder cattle up $1.80, 184.70. Cash fed cattle market still quiet on Tuesday. No sales to report. No bids or asking prices to report as well. Boxed beef was mixed Tuesday. Choice up ten cents, two sixty-three fourteen. Select down a dollar eighteen at two forty-one fifty-seven. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Russell Heller and crew sell every Saturday in Lexington at Lexington Livestock Commission Company. Russell, how was this Saturday sale? Yes, sir. Had a good sell, 967 total head with 119 cows. Walk through the pens with us. All right. 
Packer cows, the thinner ones, 30 to 57, and the better cows, 58 to 96 and a half. On the steering bulkheads, 3 to 400 pounds, 120 to 225, 4 to 5 weights, 115 to 215, 5 to 6 weights, $1.10 to 193, 6 to 7 weights, $1.05 to 177, 7 to 8 weights, $1 to 166. On the heifers, 3 to 400 pounds, 115 to 190, 4 to 5 weights, 110 to 185, 5 to 6 weights, $1.05 to 170, 6 to seven weights about 155 seven to eight weights 95 to 145 good how many noses did you count 967 all the buyers and sellers uh seem pretty satisfied yes sir there were all the buyers were there and everybody was wanting to buy for you what do you know for this next go round uh yes sir i'm gonna have about 25 calves off of one place it'll be weaned and another guy's supposed to have 30 or 40 did you get any moisture over the weekend uh, a few tenths is all that we got. What's your forecast for this week? Tyler's saying we're going to get an inch to three inches through the week next seven days, so hopefully we'll get something. All right. We won't talk about it anymore, so we won't be snake bit. So uh, let's tell everybody how to get a hold of you. Sure, you can get me on my cell, and that number is 979-820-7002. Russell, thanks so much. Neighbor, thank you, too, for listening to Walking the Pins on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. My name's Larry Marble, and I like doing this so much i'll do it again for you tomorrow good day thanks larry back over to the futures market now we're lean hogs finished higher on tuesday october hogs up a dollar 35 93 60 december hogs up 90 cents at 85 50 class three milk was lower august milk down a penny at 2012 100 weight while september milk was down 10 cents 1979 100 Big drop in the cotton market as traders stepped back from the market with some end-of-the-month squaring of their positions, also growing recession fears weighing on the cotton trade on Tuesday. We closed with December cotton down 484 points, 112.32. March cotton down 440, 109.27. Same story in the corn market, growing recession fears as well as a weakening economy in China and a falling crude oil market all weighing on the corn trade on Tuesday. September corn down four cents, six seventy-nine and three quarters. December corn down five and three quarters, six seventy-seven and a quarter. Both hard and soft wheat headed lower in Tuesday's trade. September Kansas City wheat down three and three quarters, nine oh eight and three quarters. New crop July down twelve and a quarter at eight eighty-eight and a quarter. Soft wheat market saw even bigger losses. September Chicago wheat down 21 and three quarters, 798 and a quarter. New crop July down 17 and three quarters at 846 and three quarters. In the energy markets, October natural gas dropped 22 cents at 910. October crude oil down 502 at 91.99 a barrel. The financial markets lower Tuesday afternoon. The Dow down 275 points at 31,823. The Nasdaq down 140, 11,877. The S&P down 42 points at 3,988. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. 
For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Thank you.